来来来，娃娃坐在我的膝盖，娃娃娃娃不要再回到老家。This is Christine in Campbell. That's fantastic, Christine. You should have been Carol Channing's understudy. You should have gone on the road with us. <laughs> Thanks so much. Well, you ain't got a cracker. They tell stories so grand of this vast, timeless land, and they call it Sunday with Macca. They all call it Sunday with Macca. Yeah, they all call it Sunday with Macca. Get on with it, Macca. I will. Good morning and welcome. Wasn't that wonderful? That was Christine in Camberwell last week um, singing Hello, Dolly. Carol Channing was touring uh, Singapore. Uh, she must have been in Melbourne. And uh, Christine could speak Chinese because she'd spent time in um, Singapore and uh, Hong Kong. Hong Kong, I think. And so there you go. Thereby hangs the tail. You might have seen Carol Channing doing a bit in Singapore or whatever. I was speaking to my friend Paul Panicki uh, yesterday. He's just back from... Uh, he works in. Uh, he's a trumpet player. He's the best. He's just about the, one of the best trumpet players in Australia. And uh, he works in. Um, he works in Hong Kong and Singapore and tours into China. And he was showing us photos and stuff. I'll try and get him to come in next week because he's mostly over there. But um, you would have seen Paul if you'd seen our when we used to go on tour in the nineties. Paul was uh, the leader of the band. Uh, the band leader, the section head, and. Um, yeah, we we were talking about it the other day, the tours. We went to little places like Bell and we went to Launceston and we went all over the place. We went all over the place. It was really good. Uh, speaking of that, um, uh, words fail me when I think about Winks, the horse Winks. I didn't realise till after the race that um, that uh, Winks had won by seven lengths. The, uh, the race caller, in his excitement, forgot to mention that the horse had won by seven lengths. My God, this is a mighty horse. This is a horse of Farlap proportions, Burnborough. Farlap is just a, yeah, a mighty horse in Australian history, but Winks, Winks is just a mighty horse too. And just wins by, wins by seven lengths. Wow, what a wonderful horse. What a wonderful horse. Uh, g'day, this is Macca. Oh. Yeah, hey, Macca, it's Wazza in Darwin. G'day, Wazza. Yeah, just thought um, let you know we had a, one of those really awesome top end thunderstorms last night. The thunder loud enough to make the windows rattle and stuff like that. Wow! And it's uh, quite a lovely morning here in Darwin. It's probably about twenty eight degrees and seventy percent humidity at the moment, which is just really pleasant for us locals. Yeah, and that's uh, that's the sort of temperature you get in the wet season. If you get a wet, don't you? It's it's all around twenty eight thirty always. Um, yeah, the the, yeah. the wet cools things down, doesn't it? Yeah, it's um, it's not too bad at the moment. We've um, I work on a barge, and we're about to head off to Manangreta and Elko Island, and we're just hoping it's not too stormy because it makes the ocean a little bit bumpy for us to sleep at night. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a beautiful morning this morning, and we're, I thought I'd just ring in and let you know. Good on you. Was it? How long have you been doing that? Was? Oh, I've been on the barges over about nearly two years now. I used to drive trucks up here for a long time. And, just thought I'd have a bit of a sea change for a while. Oh, I wish I'd love to come for on that trip. How long? How long are you away for? Like well, a week or something? Oh, or yeah, about about a week. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, we'll be back next weekend, and um, then the boat I'm on actually is going over to Cairns. So I'll then um, boat away and go to Cairns. I'll be in Cairns around the twentieth, 
and hopefully they'll give me some time off then because I've had uh, eight days off this year so far. So it would be nice to have a couple of days off to go fishing before we run out of the runoff for the wet season. Yeah. So was there, is this is this a barge or a boat that you're talking about or a ship? It's a barge, is it? Or yeah, yeah, landing barge. Yeah. To go, to, we take all the freight into the communities and fuel for the power stations and stuff like that. So, so you so. you just go up under the beach, do you, and lower the front and take it off that way, or what? Or is there yeah, walls a lot or of, what? Most places have a, a specifically designed landing for the barge. Yeah, um, I'd love to come. I'd love to come with you one day, was it? Um, yeah, it, it, it is a great way to go. Look, I'm sorry, Macca, but I've got to go. Love your show. Thank you very much. <laughs> good on you, mate. Bye. Bye. Uh, good day. This is Macca. Hello. Good morning, Macca. It's Jenny Weaver calling from beautiful Bort in Northern Victoria. Hi, Jen. Uh, the croaky ladies send their love. Do you remember their afternoon tea with you? I remember their afternoon tea, and I remember a lovely evening of playing um, playing uh, croquet on the on the board um, grounds there. That's right, right next to the lake. It's a lovely place. Yeah, have you had rain there? Is the lake full? No, no. We yeah, the lake's full. We we've got a water right, and we keep it full, so it's right for skiing and sailing and everything else. It's beautiful. All oh, right, and that weather's that waters from a few places, like in Hopeton, they got uh, they got a lake there, which they got water from somewhere, didn't they? Yeah, it's it's good. It comes from Ken Curran. Uh huh. From a reservoir, but I'm ringing to um, just say there's a saying that the old timers have that. If you hear the kookaburra laugh between 12 and 2, you'll get rain within three days. Right. And I've been studying that for a while, and it does work, but it doesn't allow, the kookaburras don't allow for daylight saving, and it doesn't tell you how much rain you'll get. But it, it's worth following. I'm wondering if any of your listeners have heard that one. Say it again. If, the if cook- a kookaburra uh, laughs between 12 and 2, You'll get rain within three days. Um, <laughs> and where does this come from, Jen? Where did you where did you extract this little bit of? Uh... Uh, old Pop Sanders over at Caniva. Of course. And he, yeah, <laughs> and and he'd been studying it all his life, and now I'm getting up around where he was when when he was with us. So um, yes, it's, it's just an interesting one to watch. Uh, well, it is. <laughs> It's a lovely one to watch. Um, Jen, people will let us know. I've got a, a lovely poem here, which is sort of about that. but it's Yes. And I've got one about black cockatoos. But this is a letter I, I was trolling through my back pages, as I do. And this came in from a bloke called Dave. Dave Spear. He said, um, love the show um, and all the stories. Um, recently, uh, some time ago, my work took me to Surat for a couple of days. With the drought, all of the birds in town were getting a feed and a drink in the parks and the garden of Surat. There was little else. As I sat with my Devonshire tea, I looked out from the cafe and I noticed there were no cars or people in the street, just the birds. A horse tied up at the pub and across the road a dog and a cat lazing in the shade. Then a bird, fair dinkum, spoke to me. I wrote down what he said and just carried on for a couple of lines. The result is this poem, Macca. I reckon they don't reckon there's too many poems about Surat. Thanks again, Macker. I'll set the alarm. Um, and it's called, it's just called Surat. And it's sort of on the lines of what you said, uh, Jen, but it's not. It's called Surat. Here it is. It's a quarter past two, said the white cockatoo, when it was really only five past the hour. Pink, white and grey had nothing to say. 
the, the galah on the water tower. Now a dog and a cat out back in Surat flicked at the flies in the sun. The harvest contractor turned out on his tractor and started a western run. So if you're out in the scrub where there's a horse and a pub, a cockatoo, dog and a cat, a galah on a tower and it's five past the hour, you'll probably be in Surat. Oh, that's wonderful. Isn't it a wonderful poem? (laughs) Absolutely wonderful. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So, look, Jen, people will let us know. Signs of rain, like ants crawling up the thing and uh, dogs lying on their back with their legs in the air. and uh, (laughs) They're usually dead if they look like that. And black cockatoos are supposed to be flying up river. There's supposed to be another one. Oh, good. So you haven't had much rain in Bort, uh, Jen? No, always looking for rain. Uh, fortunately, we have irrigation on much of the land down here, um, but uh, always looking for rain. I'll uh, come and play um, croquet with you on the first on the first opportunity, Jen. The ladies will love that. Thank you so much, Maker. Good on you. Thank you, Jenny. Bye. Bye. G'day, this is Maka. G'day, Maka. Uh, this is Sally Lloyd. Um, I'm speaking to you from Port Moresby Airport, uh, heading out to the... Uh, area where the earthquake happened. Oh, Sally, there you go. You've just arrived, obviously, have you? Oh, no, I arrived yesterday, but uh, unfortunately my flight was cancelled, so I'm still here. <laughs> so and the um, earthquake was up in, uh, up in the in the hills, in the mountains, as uh, in the highlands, as they call it? Yeah, it was. Um, it's actually, um, up at, uh, it's, the epicentre is up at a place near a place called Tari and Como, uh, up in the border areas of Southern Highlands, uh, Hela Province and Western Province, uh, just 40 kilometres from the place where I grew up and been living on and off for the last 50 years. So um, been a bit, bit of a tough time for them out there. Yeah, I'd say, Sally. So you've lived in, in New Guinea for a long time? Yes, yes, on and off. I grew up up, up here and uh, that's my place out there. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to get back to see my my people out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've only heard bits and pieces, but um, landslides and, you know, villages uh, covered and stuff like that. Yeah, it's pretty devastating, actually, Maka. Um, the, the, uh, it was on the 26th and we're still trying to get people, you know, to find out if people are getting in to, to find out the full extent of the damage. The area is extremely remote. Um, most of it's got no roads. What roads there are have been pretty well wiped out. Uh, so, you know, the, the effort's still going on to go into these little tiny remote villages up in the mountains and try and find out if people are okay. Uh, we have had just in sight from our house on the, in the mountain called Mount Caesar. It's in the Mount Basavi area. Uh, they had some... There's massive landslides there. Uh, if you actually look at it, there's some documents on Google Maps and things and you wouldn't believe it when you look at it and see the, the extent of the landslide. But some there, um, an entire family of 13 were killed, um, and we only know because one survived. So, you know, just big landslides coming down and wiping out these people who live in these little remote places. And you, you sort of grew up there, Sally, did you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, right beside. So from where I grew up, looking out, I can look out and see Mount Caesar and Mount Basavi, right where this uh, affected area is. And w- and why did and, you uh, why did you grow up there? Tell me, what was that about? Uh, my yeah, my parents were missionaries. Um, they're still working in Papua New Guinea, uh, on and off, coming to and from, and uh, so they brought me up here when I was four years old, <laughs> and we went and lived out in the bush where my dad built little airstrips and. Um, 
and APO and things like that. And uh, now with this particular area where my dad built airstrips is is where the uh, earthquakes are continuing. So. So you're at you're at the airport at Port Moresby. So are you flying up there? Are you in some way or in? Yeah, yeah, I'm flying up to Mount Hagen, which will put me a bit closer to where it is. Um, Australian Aid has come into Mount Hagen, and they're trying to, um, you know, do some relief work. Um, and some of the other NGOs are working out of there, uh, out of Mount Hagen. So I'm going up to there, and then I hope eventually to get a flight over to uh, to my my house, my home. Uh, the you know it's. Where I where I live, they've been very well shaken. So I think there's been in the vicinity of something like 50 quakes since the first one. It's Gee. just continuously shaking, mm. um, but they're they're okay. They've not. They're just very terrified. You know, like not knowing what's going on. They're really scared. And it's... Uh, but they're they're okay. We've had no deaths there, but across on the mountains, it's been. Um, Quite, quite devastating. Now, I know in um, in Australia here, up in the north, we've had a big wet season, lots of rain. I suppose have they had lots of rain up there too, and uh, it's a fairly hairy place to fly around. I've, I've, I'm led to believe in um, New Guinea, especially the highlands and stuff. If you want to get from one place to another, yeah, that's true. They're good pilots up here, though. <laughs> um, <laughs> they want to be. We, we um, yeah, they would want to be. They have had a lot of rain, and that's also led to some of the landslide issues. Um, one of the big issues that they're having now is that some of the landslides are so massive they've blocked off some major rivers, and they've gone dry downstream, wow. the rivers, uh, but we're waiting. These quake lakes can burst and then cause you know a lot of uh, devastation when all the rock and mud and everything goes downstream, so now trying to warn people to get out of the way um, and move back from the rivers. But, mm. you know, getting the message out is hard in a country like this. Sally, uh, where do you live? Uh, normally in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, look, um, uh, safe travels, and I hope you achieve what you Thank want to you. do and, and get to where you're going. And, and nice to talk to you this morning, Sally. Yeah, thanks, Macca, and just uh, keep keep the message going out there. Australia's close, but a lot of people don't hear about it, and it's, it's a pretty major event. Um, I'll say. So far, they've only said 31 dead, but, I mean, there's, it's obviously going to be higher, I'd say. But just getting the relief out there, water, they desperately need water and food and things like that. So, yeah, keep it out there. I appreciate it. Thanks for your call, Sally. Good on you. Okay. Thanks, right. Macca. Right. Bye now. Hey, Mac, it's Brett Riley here. How are you? Uh, good, thanks, Brett. Where are you? I'm up in uh, Burpengary, uh, just north of Brisbane at the moment. Near Burpengary Creek, the famous Burpengary Creek. That's the one. Yeah. What's happening, Brett? Tell me. Oh, not much. You just had a lady ring up from Emmerville uh, before, and the 17th of March is my mum's birthday too, and Dot Riley. She's um, a publican up there at the Club Hotel with Barry Riley. In, in Emmerville? That's it. There you go. Is that where you grew up, or no? She's. Uh, they bought the pub in '76. Mm-hmm. So I was there for four years, and they've been back in and out of the place for many years. My old man bought it back when he re- after he retired. Okay, it's a funny little pl- t- town, isn't it, Emmerville? Nice little place. C- cold, very, very interesting. C- cold yeah. in the winter. I oh, not wrong. I had friends in the '80s living up there, and the only tap they had was outside the house. So. If you want to go have a uh, a bath at night, you had to go outside. You know, minus five, <laughs> minus six. Oh yes, very cold. Uh, so, what do you do? Uh, at the moment, I'm just um, selling new homes, but uh, 
yeah, I was in China before that, so doing something completely different. Yeah, and um, you said that uh, your father told you to ring um, from China, but uh, and did you do that? I didn't do it. I was in a little place called Iwu, um, which is just a speck of a town, but I think it had about a million and a half people. So, <laughs> what were you doing in Iwu, Brett? Uh, working for BMW, helping them set up new dealerships. Um, so the first time around, I'd stay in the city for six to twelve months. The second time around, I'd just travel around the countryside. So. I'd spend 45 weeks a year travelling around China. And I imagine if you were with a BMW dealership in China, you'd be run off your feet. I mean, there's a lot of money in China, isn't there? Uh, There is. When I got there in 2006, they had 80 dealerships, and they set up nearly that many in 2017. Wow. Every year. Every year. That's why we kept on travelling. And you said Ewu, but it's only a little little dot on the map. But were they buying BMs, Beamers there, and I suppose Mercs and and all sorts of things? Yeah, no, they'd um, they'd fill the showroom up and finish it and empty it out um, that night. And when Chinese New Year was on, it was just it was a madhouse. Uh, <laughs> you, the biggest dealership I went to was nine stories high. Wow, it's. It's hard to get your head around it leaving and and um, and and the talk in Australia now is is the size of Melbourne and Sydney and people are complaining um uh, about the size of our cities and and maybe with good reason but but uh it doesn't compare really does it with somewhere like China which is um just seems to be um just yeah I don't know I, we can't I can't relate to it you probably can cuz how long did you live there for bread uh, twice. I did two years in uh, Iwu, Changsha, Wenzhou, and then I did four years in Beijing. Um, but you have to count the cranes like Joby after Peterson. So you go to a little town with no airport and you can see 40 cranes from your hotel room and then another you know, 30 or 40 as you're heading out to where you were going to go for the day. Uh-huh. And and what do you think, what's your perspective on it now looking back? You, you're not going back there? Or? No, it's uh, we've got the good life here with the, with the weather and the climate and... Um, the pollution uh, uh, they've got over there, so yeah, they've got to keep growing. Unfortunately, because they've still got, I think they said, six hundred million people still live in the land uh, in not good condition, so they've got to keep building. Well, I'm I'm not sure how you um you control 1.5 billion people living in cities in high rise and trying to get them water and food and and uh, electricity and all those sorts of things. Um, I'm not sure. I, look, I don't know, Brett, but I I think um, there's no solution and i don't think growth necessarily is the solution but um correct but, but that's that's that thought process yeah, yeah right yeah they, they built a canal to beijing that was a thousand kilometers long to get water to it uh but it wasn't covered i believe so by the time the water got there it was nearly all gone <laughs> uh, so beijing's sinking in a fair rate of knots because it's going to be i think 120 million shortly by the time they expand it <sighs> wow yeah <laughs> it's interesting your perspective brett um but um, yeah, uh, I don't know how. You... Basically, once you get outside the once you get outside the big parts of China, yes, it's um, Rafferty's rules to say the least. Because um, uh, you know, I was in places like uh, Sichuan, where the big earthquakes happened and things like that, and you, you'd look at how they were doing things. Um, but yeah, you get out into the smaller towns; it's it's very different. Um, but there's a lot of smart people out there because I speak Chinese, so I used to do everything over there in Chinese, and it was amazing how. Resilient they were, but uh, yeah, what well, we see here is only a fraction of what really happens in China. Yeah, and 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 the human beings are very um, resilient and they're very clever and they can solve problems, but they need to be, don't they? Because there's plenty of them. 
Yeah, minus 40 was the biggest problem I had over there was minus 41, uh, one trip I did uh, in Mongolia. Um, but that's the thing too, it's such a big place. Um, you, it's not, it's like Australia, you go to different parts of Australia, we've all got a different problem, same, though, same thing over there. Yeah. Well, say good day to Dot for us. Good on you, Brett. Thank you for that. Talk to you later. G'day, this is Macca. Yeah, good morning, Macca. It's uh, just Matt. Uh, just ringing up to say good, uh, good morning and have a yak. <laughs> G'day, Matt. Where are you? Mate, um, I'm actually out in uh, Ramanginning, which is uh, out in Arnhem Land. Arnhem Land, yeah. yeah. What, are you, what are you doing there, Matt? Uh, I'm actually a chef. The boys are building a cyclone shelter out here for the uh, local community, so I'm just feeding the troops out here at the moment. So you, you live there or you, that's your gig or...? Well, it's a gig for the moment. It's sort of there three weeks on and have a week off. Uh, uh-huh. Originally from Tweed, so I just fly back there on my week off. Uh huh. And then, uh, and you're a chef. Where you, you work for a company or what? I man? just work. I work for a local uh, building company, and I guess you know, chefing's one of those jobs where you can sort of uh, get work anywhere, and sort of work in different parts of Australia, and a few places overseas always uh-huh. uh, as well. And end up, you don't know where. Don't know how. Never too sure. How did you become a chef, Matt? How did that happen? Um, yeah, just one of those things. I was sort of travelling overseas and um, lobbed into a restaurant in uh, Scotland, it was. And uh, I walked in there and the guy showed me a menu and he said, uh, what can you cook off this? <laughs> and it was all in uh, French table golf. And I said, mate, I can't even read it, let alone cook it. <laughs> and uh, he said, oh, we're not really... What you're looking, what we're looking for, but uh, we'll give you a crack. And just got in there, and yeah, I was just good at it, and I've been doing it for the last twenty years. Good on you. I suppose you can cook haggis now, can you? Mate, I stay clear of the haggis, but uh, good lobster thermidor. Don't worry about that. Ah, <laughs> uh, dear. So uh, you you're in Ramon Ginning uh, at the moment. Um, it, it's been wet there, hasn't it? Yeah, the wet season hasn't been too bad out here. Um, it sort of delayed the job by a couple of weeks, but. Um, uh, yeah, no, it hasn't been too bad. There you go, Maddie. Um, uh, what's your specialty? Uh, have you got any specials, or you you can cook everything? But you must have a, a special something you like to cook, and you think is is your little specialty. Well, I mean, that's a common question you get asked. But I think once you've been cooking for twenty years, it all sort of pretty much the same. <laughs> so, uh, it's like I'm your mother. Here. Just said the same thing to your mother. She'd say the same thing too. That's right. So, yeah, I'm out here feeding the boys, you know, sort of, you know, scotchies, your roast, you know, sort of meat and fruit veg for these lads. But they actually dropped in the uh, crab pots the other day and came back with about 15 muddies. So it was a uh, chilli mud crab the other <laughs> night for dinner. And see a barra here. The fishing's really good out here. So, yeah, I say. Yeah. But um, the question was, we don't get many radio stations out here. And turned, I think we get two, actually. And flicked on this morning and there was Macca and... Uh, ever since I was a little tacker, I've been hearing your voice on the radio, so maybe your memory's a bit better than mine, but, geez, how long have you been on the air? Oh, 30, 30-odd, 30, 30, 30, yeah, right. 30, uh, 33, 34, 35, 35, mate. 35, that's a good crack, and it's, uh, yeah, it's great to listen to on a Sunday morning. Good on you, Matty. Um, and where will you be uh, in uh, another month's time? You'll be, you don't know where. Yeah, no, this job will still go for another few months. It's a bit behind schedule, so... Because of the wet. By the, it, by the time it's finished, we've missed the uh, cyclone season for this year, so it'll be ready for next. So let's just hope they don't have a 
late one this year. Yeah, good on you, Matt. Great to talk to you, mate. Thanks for ringing, and uh, yeah, I hope to meet you sometime, mate. It'd be good. Good, we could get together, and I could uh, show you some of my special recipes, mate. Yeah, right. I look forward to it. Okay, <laughs> have a good one. Good on you, Matt. See you, mate. See you, mate. Bye. Bye-bye. G'day, Macca. This is Rachel Wakefield from PNG and Groker in PNG. Hi, Rachel. How you going? Uh, we're doing okay, thanks. Um, I'm just ringing up to uh, have a chat a bit about the um, earthquake that was up here recently. Yeah. Um, we work for a really small mission called CRMF, and uh, we do communications. Uh, we have HF radios across PNG into all the remote areas, and um, we've been monitoring the radio and helping people with uh, the emergencies that they have, and then we uh, plug them into MAF, Mission Aviation Fellowship, and they fly in and help with medivacs and wherever they can. So we just wanted to tell you how it's going. Yeah, Rachel, because uh, I, I spoke to Sally earlier this morning, and, and she'd grown up there, and and uh, she said how remote it is for many of those places. So it's a bit of a difficult mission, isn't it? Yeah, really. Yeah, it really is. But we uh, really enjoy being able to help. We um, have our radios in there in small places and next to airstrips so that um, people can call up and say that they have an, a medical emergency and then we come and uh, we get the, the planes in and help them. So, yeah, it was interesting. It was a pretty big guria. Uh, sorry, guria is the pigeon word for earthquake. It was a pretty big earthquake. Um, work us all up. We're not near the epicenter, but it work us all up. My kids uh, were, they were sleeping bunk beds and they were saying, hey, <laughs> stop, stop run, um, moving the bunk on us. But, yeah, we were all um, pretty shaken up by it. So, Rachel, you're in Garoka. You've lived there for a while, have you? Yeah, 12 years now. We've mm. been there, nearly 13. We've been here. It's um, And the ki- you've got yeah. kids and they're growing up there and going to school and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, we got four kids. Um, my oldest is uh, 18, so he's about ready to leave us, which is a bit of a hard thing. But, yeah, they go to a, a pretty good um, mission school. It's an American school, so they're a bit mixed up. They're uh, Aussie kids who live in Papua New Guinea and go to an American school. <laughs> Yeah, and what's Garoka like? What sort of a size of a place is that and what happens there? Okay, it's, it's well, they call it a city. Um, it, it probably has uh, 10,000 people in it, but um, it's a beautiful place, actually. Uh, it's, it was called the Garden City in the days when Australia uh, were helping run the place. And um, it's, it's a beautiful one in the mountains. And uh, people are pretty friendly. So, yeah, we have our times. There's some unsafe times, but it's not too bad, really. And where were you from in Australia, right? Uh, Ichuka. Ichuka. Both of us, yeah. My husband and I are both from near Ichuka on farms there. And yeah. uh, you'll stay there for a, a while longer in PNG? Uh, we're not real sure. Our oldest two, we've got one 18 and um, one who's 16, and so we might have to bring them back to Australia and help them to uh, have a life there and understand what the, <laughs> their, their home culture is. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, um, interesting um, to look back on a, a life growing up in uh, in Garoka in PNG. Uh, great experience um, for yes. and suits them for a lot of things. But uh, yeah, come back to Australia and, and there's another life. Rachel, great to talk to you this morning. Um, and good luck and keep up the good work. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Have, Go have on. Have a good day. Yeah, we'll do. Good on you, Rachel. <laughs> okay. Bye. See ya. Bye.